0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who just ran gassers in his backyard, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Don't
1: hate me because you hate me, Mike. I'm getting healthy, and I was going to say the haters mad. I, I, I said the haters mad. I was going to say another word. Good morning.
0: The haters are furious, Brandon. They don't want to see you in the prime of your life again. Although I will say, like, I am amazed that you chose gassers of all things because I spent, I think, and I think most people, like, I remember my sister. She was a college swimmer. And for so long after she finished, she avoided the pool after. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, in general, most people, when they finish doing something for a long time, sports-wise, spend a while trying to avoid that thing. So I'm proud of you for almost a decade later going back to gassers.
1: Yeah, I just go at works, Mike. You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't go to the gym. I don't got time for that. The babies are just snapping. I was like, I just got to go do something real quick. I, I, there's the fence posts in my backyard. I go down and back, and that's one. I don't know if people think gassers. Just, yeah. That's a half gasser. If you go down, and that's, that's not. Down and back is one. So I do that 10 times, Mike, and I have a, I have a strict fat time that I time myself. I made it under the fat time.
0: Is the, is the fat time just the the big skill time, or is that the lineman time? Because like when people,
1: it's my fattest time.
0: Oh, okay, it's your. It's like the longest.
1: Time. Yes, yes, like what? doing that back and forth. My longest time is two twenty seven, and uh, did did it in did it in two eighteen yesterday. So
0: I appreciate that you have a gasser time. That's the equivalent of like my fat shirt, like the shirt I can pull out of my oh, closet yeah. that I absolutely know if this absolutely. fits snug. I am past the point and really yes. need to dial it in.
1: Yes, uh, like Jim Gaffigan, I have my uh, closet separated in what I can fit in. You know, my fat side, my skinny side, and after a couple of gasses in the backyard, I'm fitting into that that tight fat shirt. Yeah, you have the aspirational side—the shirts that you bought and were too
0: lazy to return—that you're like, "Oh yeah, when I lose enough weight, those'll fit fine," and then it'll be great. Yes. And it never comes. It it never it never
1: comes. Yeah, yeah. Been three fifteen for about fifteen years now. Uh, anyways, how you doing, Mike? How's the football? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah. We got a lot of the football to get to
0: today. Uh, as always download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo wherever you get your podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Um, and check this out Monday morning, uh, obviously coming off a big time NFL weekend. Uh, got a lot to get to here. Uh, we'll give out roses today for our best performers of the weekend. We've got the return of white Mike, um, Odell Beckham Jr. on a very interesting flight. And Mm. I have to, uh, I have to make a statement on behalf of the white delegation before this is all said and done because we've seen egregious crimes committed against the timeline that we got to get to. But, uh Brandon, uh, Sunday Night Football uh, got a little weird. Aaron Rodgers uh, right now a bit in question for anyone that missed it. Um, The Packers lost to the Eagles in, I wouldn't say stunning fashion. We talked about this last week. The Packers have a bad run defense. The Eagles have a very good run offense. And 363 yards later on the ground, the Eagles won that game, which wouldn't be surprising. But Aaron Rodgers leaving that game in the third quarter with an oblique injury in the same week where he also revealed that he's been playing with a thumb injury since week five right. of this season. Now all of a sudden rises to the level of an incident. Now, Brandon, uh, they took him off the field in the third quarter and went to go get in, uh, I believe went to go get imaging in the second half. Uh, he came back out and had, you know, no pads on. He was clearly done for the day. He had gone 11 of 16 for one forty two touchdowns and two interceptions. But, um, Brandon, he said after the game that as long as they're mathematically alive, he'd like to be out there, but Mm -hmm. also said he'd be open to conversations about adjusting his role if they're eliminated from playoff contention that was my biggest thing coming off this and coming into this game was it already seemed like we were in Aaron Rodgers getting sat down for the rest of the season mode because I'm not saying he did this to draw attention to himself during the week right like Aaron Rodgers has traditionally been a guy that's played through a fair amount of tough injury who's also dealt with a fair amount of tough injury like I can remember those Thanksgiving games where we see Aaron Rodgers lying flat on his back done for the rest of the season in a way that we thought you know might affect his career I think it was the college yeah. Bone thing, also like he's usually he's traditionally usually, been a guy, yeah,
1: yeah, usually against the Vikings, the Anthony Barr, yes, oh, that's
0: right, that is, that's the exact hit, so yeah. Um, but yeah, usually he's a guy that will tough it out through most things. And even when he brought up the thumb playing with a a specific type of fracture that I forget the name of offhand, but didn't do it in a way where he said like, Oh, this is like, you know, I'm I'm managing it. This has been a thing, but clearly his play had gotten to the point where kind of like with Baker Mayfield last year, where he very loudly announced like, yeah, I have a fracture in my shoulder, but I'm going to go out here and try and gut it out. For Baker Mayfield, it was his football future. For Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure it's not great hearing everyone talk about all the red zone turnovers and all these
1: things when you feel like everyone doesn't know the whole story. Yeah, but I feel like the conversations around how Aaron Rodgers end up starting and the symmetry there that Mike Tirico brought up on the broadcast is a little bit more damning than his uh, efficiency and effectiveness right now because the whole through line of this is kind of how Aaron Rodgers took over Brett Favre when he got the starting job narrative is a little too strong and potent for me. And obviously with Aaron Rodgers and all the things that happened in this offseason with the Packers, it it seemed hunky-dory the first five games of the season. Or so, and then it's kind of gone off the uh, wagon wheels.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's it's been that way because they've also not been good, right? The Vikings have taken over at the top of this division. There's been a lot of struggles. Aaron Rodgers has thrown some red zone turnovers, especially in the last few games, that have felt inexplicable based on the guy who's been arguably the most careful with the football of a high-end quarterback in NFL history over the course of his career. But... Brandon, the the thing that is interesting to me and the reason why that didn't register with me the same way when Mike brought it up is Mm. because contractually there's just very little way for this to go away from Aaron Rodgers next year. Like When we talk about what happens for the rest of the season and why I thought IR would be a pretty understandable route for them to go here is, yeah, especially if you're out of contention. And at 4-8 right now, it's not looking good. Even in this year's NFC, it's not looking good. And yeah. so for them, I'd imagine you got to start thinking because we did this when we had Carmen Vitali on not too long ago of is there any chance for the Packers to get out from under this? And the answer is more or less. Like to give you guys the Spark Notes version of this. No. Aaron Rodgers, once he signed that extension with all that guaranteed money, and I think he's due due guaranteed somewhere around $98 million still, like he'll be due about $32 million next year. Between that, the hit that if he were to retire, or anything else, uh, he's also got an injury guarantee that – you know, manifest after the Super Bowl that you're like a bunch of contract minutiaes to say this thing is too Titanic to move. When they decided to extend him after the back-to-back MVP season deal, they made their bed. And so now I look at it and go, All right, you gotta kind of figure out how to maximize your return on investment. And I don't think it's gonna be this year. If you are looking at this, I'm saying you're not going to be able to trade him. I think there are going to be very few teams willing to incur that kind of financial risk and the risk that this is still a guy that was you know, a little volatile off the field in the way that he was talking last offseason and in a way that not every fan base might be a huge fan of is a risk of retiring since he was about a 50-50 prop on that going back to this offseason. And so all those things coupled with the – I only say that, Brandon, because of the financial penalty that would come if he retired, and then you're not getting the benefit of the player – is I think he's going to be playing in Green Bay next year. I think for them it's one of those things – you're going to have to do that and so what's the best version of that it's making sure Aaron Rodgers is as healthy as humanly possible going into next year making sure that the rest of this team which was so injured for the first half of the season especially along the offensive line is better and is you know back in a good spot that your wide receivers that were young this year and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and the rest of those guys have this year of seasoning on them that may help all of this and then come back next year knowing all right, financially this is the only real move what we had left in the tank. Let's try and put ourselves in the best position in all those places because we still haven't even talked about the defense that's been getting its ass run all over all season long.
1: Yeah, th- there's spots with that defense though and, and they and they butt up when, when they need to and, and Quay Walker is still a, a bright shining light the way that Jordan Love kind of seems to be, Mike, and that's why I think it is kind of confusing because yes, Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVP uh, but he's showing his age in the way of how much he's getting beat up and banged up. So if you're the Packers, would you want to start this experiment now with Jordan Love after seeing what you saw on Sunday night and giving him an opportunity uh, when they needed to win the game? Or is – I mean, or not even or. With that, I think you talked about the contract. I, I think a lot of teams on the West Coast, places that Aaron Rodgers would want to be, would waste a lot of money getting that guy in their jersey. So you're gonna do the Forty ers thing again? Is no, I, I'm actually, I'm actually thinking, I'm that Matt Stafford, Jared Goff deal. I, I can't get it out of my head. So now I, I'm thinking more of a Justin Herbert for Aaron Rodgers type of like crazy big time move where you're actually leveraging someone who has a future for someone who has had a past.
0: Yeah, I I don't see any world where the Chargers would move Herbert. He's just too good and too gifted now at some point 21 and as a starter wins aren't a quarterback stat that's, that's not it. how this goes so neither
1: are losses then okay I'll, 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 no
0: strike I strike that from the record then no I would Jury. Say- I would say that quarterbacks have an effect on winning, but we can all use our eyes and see. The Chargers don't have an offense that always puts their quarterback in the best position. Their offensive line is once again succumbed to the curse of growing up inside the Chargers' haunted house where there's injuries abounding left and right. And so all of those things factor into how we have to grade Justin Herbert. But I'm not going to devolve into the Internet's version of the just toxic Justin Herbert conversation. Y'all know where you can go for that. But, um, <laughs> Brandon... Uh, to go back to this, like, I, my, like that was my initial thought was like, man, would, would the Niners do anything crazy? You know, Jimmy G yeah. obviously isn't going to be, you know, put next to Aaron Rodgers is not in that same conversation. The Trey Lance thing, now that this has been disrupted by injury. But even that, I think, is still too big a risk with where they're at for the rest of that roster and too financially difficult to figure out for everyone involved because if he was traded that the Packers would have to eat a big significant chunk of that dollars wise the you know trading team would also be on the hook for a bunch of that and it just looks like the simplest thing is that he winds up back in a Packers uniform and they've all got to try and figure out a way to make this go better because this kind of year started off on a really interesting note with that and Aaron Rodgers and everything he said being combed through because he did the offseason podcast tour going in and so that's that's kind of what I look because at this point if you're the Packers like this is every move the Packers have made in this process is I wouldn't say bad on the surface or bad in a vacuum but it all weeks of like a couple of bad gambles that they made along the way right like you go all the way back to the Jordan Love draft and Mm -hmm. you were betting on Aaron Rodgers starting to move downward as far as his production. And so you took this guy in the first round, you by your own admission did not communicate that well with the star quarterback and face of your franchise. And then we saw the fracture that that created between the uh, player and the front office and went from there. You bet wrong on that because Aaron Rodgers then had two back to back MVP seasons, two 13 and three regular season, where you wound up in the NFC championship game and ultimately lost and then had to go out there and get to the second part of this, which was then. You apparently mistimed the potential for his regression again. Like, part of this year has been Aaron Rodgers right. not playing well in a way that you could look and father time away, even though now I think we have to factor this thumb injury into that a little bit more because we know what it is and how long it's been going on for. But even if you're looking at that, then the Packers giving him the kind of extension they did with the kind of guaranteed money that they did because they got boxed in by that first decision and were forced to pay him the going rate when he's the back-to-back MVP, you could have looked at that and said, well, you guys could have gone ahead and traded him before the draft. You could have found a way to go to try and move him and get parts on this, but you didn't see this coming. Your inability to scout your own player would all of a sudden have landed you in this spot. And so that's my thing is... This is just about like a knowing your teammate thing. Like you tried to predict this in a way that bit you in the ass at the most important position in football. And now for the Jordan Love side of it, you've given up most of the early, like valuable portion of his rookie contract. So, how much is it worth, you know, go out and get a look at Jordan Love? Is it to maybe potentially move him at some point? Is it to create trade value? Because that rookie contract for a quarterback is very helpful when we talk about these guys get into the second deals and all that stuff, but I don't know how much it helps you anymore.
1: So basically you're saying with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they were like Calum Murray and the Cardinals on fourth down, like schematically they're fucked. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Schematically. We are fucked
0: right now is kind of, is kind of the point that they're at. You didn't know your teammate well enough at critical junctures and you landed yourself in a spot where you had no choice in your mind. And a lot of people's minds but to go out there and pay that man what the going rate was with all that guaranteed money and now you're tied up and you've got to kind of weather this storm which again, wouldn't feel as bad were it not for all the words and were it not for all the things attached to that at the start of this season where Aaron Rodgers seemed like more of a problem child in the last couple of years seemed like someone who's a little bit more volatile in ways that you didn't want to deal with if it weren't for that, I think that we're looking at this Aaron Rodgers situation pro- Like if it were not for the last two years. I think we're judging this situation entirely differently, and I think we're talking about the Packers strategy at the end of this season entirely differently, and that's why I think water finding its level. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been perfect this year, but he also hasn't been the worst part of this offense. There's been good throws in there still. While he may not be the the original Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers anymore, the guy that wowed us with all that stuff, there's still been a bunch of good throws in an offense that's just been so disjointed by injury that the run-it-back model for this, because your hands are tied financially doesn't seem like the worst course of action to me.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you talked about this injury in this team affecting how they'll be able to go out there and win games and I'm I'm finally turning the corner. I, I see it. Yeah, well, especially with the way this defense
0: is playing because again, yeah. Joe Barry is going to be a name that a lot of people are calling for the job on that front. It's just been, True. you invested a lot of draft capital. That's the other part of this. In the, in the gambles that you made, it was also constantly using that top-end draft capital that Aaron Rodgers wanted spent on offensive players, on defensive players, going out and getting Quay Walker and going out and getting Eric Stokes and going out and getting all these guys that looked good when all of a sudden you looked over at the defense on paper and said, man, there's a lot of talent here, but... You know, outside of Jair Alexander, who we
1: know is balling. You said Quay Walker has done some good stuff. Like Kenny Clark is is like there's a couple guys that are like top 10 at their position, but they're not game breakers on defense that way.
0: Well, they're like they're good at their position, but it hasn't translated to unit success for them overall, especially up front. And. When you've got that big of a clear hole, we saw the Eagles go out there and exploit it in a big-time way. They're on the top end of things because they're one of the best rushing teams in football with one of the best rushing quarterbacks in football, one of the best offensive lines, all that stuff. But I I just think that they've got so many of those things that they've also got to tweak based off the bets that they've made that, again, this to me still ends with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And I, we'll see. Like, I, I still think I understand he wants to be out there and all that, but I think at some point it's going to be in the best interest of everyone to sit him down, get him perfectly healthy, and get Jordan Love some action out there so you can see what's going to happen with
1: that. I love that tag, that tongue waggle by Jordan Love.
0: He's feeling himself. I mean, he looked good. And you heard like all the, you know, it was like a new version of the best shape of his life conversation. We're coming out of camp, had all this good stuff going for him. He's clicking with the offense now. And you saw like he's always been a super talented guy. And so him going out there and getting to put it on wax is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a, a big difference in Jordan Love that expects to play and Jordan Love that doesn't expect to play. Because when he's been thrown out there and he hasn't been expected to play, or like last second, like oh, okay, he's been, he's been living that lifestyle apparently. Now I don't want to say it like that. There's, there's there, something's missing and something is clicking now, well, and I think it it comes with him knowing that Aaron Rodgers was going into that game injured, and he knew he was probably going to have to show out a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you're probably ready. I know in an ideal world, you prepare like a starter for all the games, but we know that's not always realistic. We know that's not yeah. always how people operate, that you know, that's what separates good from great. And so, yeah, maybe he was a little more ready. I, you know, it, Who knows? But, again, he's had a lot of time in that system, and in that building without meaningful consequence, to go in there and work on that stuff. And to see him put it on tape is something I'd imagine that the Packers might want to see more towards the end of the season. So uh, we'll see. It, it They avoided the worst-case scenario. I think there were uh, – uh, early concerns after there was an initial fear that he had punctured a lung you saw him in a fair amount of pain but right. um i think a, officially ruled uh, a rib injury um being thought of as an oblique injury, dealing with the thumb. So Aaron Rodgers, pretty banged up, but ultimately too expensive to not be in Green Bay. Uh, Brandon, we talked about Jordan Love. uh, Big backup quarterback weekend overall. Uh, A lot of guys getting thrown into the fire this weekend. Uh, Trevor Simeon got the start for the Chicago Bears because they had uh, gotten Justin Fields so beat up over the last few games. Bryce Perkins, uh, another Rams backup, getting the start for the injured Matt Stafford. Sam Darnold back in the saddle for the Carolina Panthers in a win over the hapless Denver Broncos. Kyle Allen for the Texans. Taylor Heineke and Jacoby Bristett technically still count, even though Jacoby's been the starter for this season.
1: I got one more, Mike, who did a pretty good job. Another backup quarterback that did a good job last week. Jimmy Garoppolo. There you go. i did say technically did his thing. technically
0: a backup porter, quarterback, the uh the yes. the Drew Pine of the 49ers. So
1: um I I I, I, I yes. All right, there you go. i say you No, you you slightly disrespected Jimmy Garoppolo with that, but you also love Drew Pine, so I'll let that ride. Hey, Drew Pine had himself a game. We'll get to that and we'll get to that in a little bit. He had himself a
0: game yeah. against USC, but Brandon, the real backup quarterback we got to talk about here is White Mike. Um, yes, Mike White went back out into the fray after all the drama surrounding Zach Wilson and his benching from last week, the lack of accountability, uh, all of the above with him that wa- landed us in a pretty wild place where Mike White gets thrust into the fire. We had seen him on the field in 2021, and it was big highs and big lows at times. But ultimately, in this game, uh, they were playing the Chicago Bears, and so that helped the situation a lot. He ends up going 22 of 28 for over 300 Ooh. yards, including Ooh. hitting 10 different receivers and scoring three touchdowns in the Jets' win over the Chicago Bears on a rainy day. Brandon, this could not have worked out better
1: for Rob Sala after he made this call. Uh, absolutely, Mike, but uh, I did not like seeing Zach Wilson in street clothes. Like, I understand that he wasn't going to play and he got benched technically. But when it comes to morale, uh, we'll get to Mike. We'll stick with Mike White. But well, just, it was sad. I, I, it was sad. And also, the graphic they put up on the screen that said, the Jets locker room has lost confidence in Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson has lost confidence in himself. And it's just showing him in street clothes on his beanie. I'm like, this is a sad series of events.
0: Well, I mean, they had to do that because they couldn't afford the optics of making this decision and then having him be the backup if something if someone were hurt. To put it Jumping like back, that's yes. just that's just a lot messier than sitting him down. The fact that it was rainy, he had the hood up, it ends up making it look like a sad music video cover is. <laughs> That's yes. I think more a product of weather than it is the situation. Okay.
1: Okay. 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 God was working a little bit setting yeah. the stage. Go not, ahead.
0: Not not a graphic sadder, by the way, than how they did um Kyler Murray. Did you see that shit? No, it was the Kyler Murray graphic. They put Kyler they said quarterbacks come in all shapes and sizes, and they put Kyler oh, Murray next up to next Her- to Justin Herbert in a way I couldn't that believe that. It, foul. Foul it behavior. Was like-
1: It's like lining up a a Barbie doll versus versus, uh, a toy soldier. It's like, these are different toys, guys. And, like, I understand the point, but whoever positioned it
0: like that and pitched that graphic earlier in the week, you're sick. That was foul. You know he didn't deserve that. I know Kyler Murray's had some ups and downs of his own. He didn't deserve to be height-shamed
1: like that on a national stage. As long as they haven't brought up the Call of Duty stats uh, in the game. I think I think it's fair. I think everything else is uh, fair.
0: Someone's got that waiting in the wings, and God, I hope they break glass soon. Um, but uh, that that shame aside, um, now, Brandon, this is Mike interesting. White. Like, how much of how much of this is is real? How much of this are we allowed to believe in with Mike White? Right? Because what I think we've entered to now with him is just the Taylor Heineke phase of this Jets team, where. He went out and played really well. And I think he did it, like one of the more underrated things in any job that any of us have, which is he knew the people he needed to make happy. Like I always say, yes. we all have a boss. And people that we work with all have a boss. Sometimes those bosses are mm-hmm. different. And so being cognizant of who everyone needs to keep happy is important. True. That guy made sure that pissed off Garrett Wilson – who last week said some very publicly critical things of this offense, of this team, of the yeah. quarterback, got went out there and had a great game there. I believe he led the team in catches and yards with five catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Elijah Moore, who was so pissed off with the situation that he requested a trade not too long ago, got his first touchdown of the season this year. And Rob Sala, who was the boss that bet on him because he had to send a message to Zach Wilson, to the rest of this team. Like, I understand he was going to go out there and try and play well to begin with, but the fact that it just happened to be one where it was a spread the love game and you made everyone on that offense who had felt like things had been going poorly and they hadn't all been getting their just due. You made all of them feel the love is a pretty great way to not only continue to give yourself the best chance statistically by performing, but also to walk into that locker room and have people feel pretty good about what you're about.
1: Yes. Uh, yes, Mike. But I do think there's a little bit of that magic that comes with the quarterbacks that you don't have enough film on, right? So that the defense can't prepare in, the, in a certain way. But usually backup quarterbacks are backups for a reason, and you don't have to worry about their effectiveness because play can just make up uh, the difference. But Mike White being the second quarterback in NFL history with multiple games at 75% completion rate, 300 yards passing, and three touchdowns within the first four starts of his career. Uh, only other quarterback that's done that is Kurt Warner. And the last time Mike White did that was against the Bengals in week eight last year when we talked about obviously seeing him on the field before. So he is good, Mike, and I just want to give respect to my Western Kentucky quarterbacks out there, all those the best of the rest schools with him and, and Bailey Zappi waiting in the wings. I just think there is a reality to Mike White actually might have it.
0: Well, I mean, listen. Last year, like saying you have tape on him, we saw him for four games last year, and in that time period, I believe he threw more interceptions than touchdowns before it was all said and done. Like, okay, okay, I'm you just didn't have to but I, thank you. I, I'm just, I'm just, I, I want context on this, Brandon, because the whole point is, and they've said as much. We're gonna see Zach Wilson again at some point this season, I'd imagine. Now. Maybe Mike White figured it out. Maybe after playing last year, he went back in the lab this offseason, and he's going to be in a good spot going forward. I think it is also worth noting again, this is not the Patriots. This is a Bears team that is 29th in yards per play, that is 29th in defensive efficiency, that started selling off its best parts in the middle of this season, and is BAD bad. Like, the Jets also rushed for 158 yards in this game. The Jets offensive line that's been banged up as shit, that was on, I believe, their third running back in this game, like Reese Hall's been injured already, we know that. Michael Carter went down during this game. They were on Bam Zonovan night from from NC State by the end of this game. And I get in games that you're winning by the margin they did. You're going to rush for more in the second half of these games. You're milking clock, but they were rushing effectively for a lot of this game because that defense is bad. They just played arguably the second best defense in the NFL and the Patriots the week before. So there's also part of us that has to kind of meet it in the middle with that expectation-wise, right?
1: Yes, absolutely, and yeah, I, I can't, I can't stress enough, or I don't. I try to forget that Zach Wilson was five and two as a starter, and the only two losses were to Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who makes quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and Mike White look silly. Um, so yes, we can't say that if Mike White was out there against the Patriots that he would have had this type of game, and also was a home game. So just, there's just all kinds of variables that led to Mike White's. Uh, being comfortable and, and going out there and doing what he did but yes I, I don't want to see Mike White I don't want to see Mike White implode I'd rather see Zach Wilson get put in just does that make sense well yeah and you know what Brandon I think this is why
0: it's kind of the perfect storm working out with that stuff because nothing about this game was stuff that was outside of Zach Wilson's ability Like it wasn't like you put in a better abled quarterback. This is the kind of game. If you're Zach Wilson watching this as a player and as a competitor, you're going, "I I could do that shit. Like, that's exactly what they wanted him to see was that right. this is all stuff that's in front of you. Nothing Mike White did was extraordinary. Rob Sala said as much. He's like, we don't need this to be the greatest show on turf out there. And it wasn't, it was efficiency. He was a part of three scoring drives that were 75 plus yards in this game. He got the ball out quick, he averaged 2.63 to- uh, seconds to throw per next gen stats. To give you an idea, Zach Wilson was tied for last with Justin Fields in that stat amongst qualified quarterbacks this season at just over three seconds. Like and and like to give you guys an idea of why that's important, like time to throw is a stat, ESPN has this thing called pass rush win rate where they measure offensive linemen and how quickly they get beat the line of demarcation they use of like how long is someone expected to hold their blocks on an average play is two and a half seconds. So this guy's getting the ball out right over that two and a half second mark and keeping it clean. It helps your offensive line who we've talked about is very banged up. Like we give that, you know, a bunch of that to the bears, The offensive line for the Jets deserves a lot of that same bail because a lot of these guys have been moved around based off injury going back to the beginning of this season. And so getting the ball out on time like that, moving around in the pocket and moving up in the pocket the way that Mike White did, it helps all those guys out. You saw that in the game. He did navigate the pocket well. He did get the ball out on time. He did spread the wealth on that. And he got to play against a defense that we know was going to give you a few more of those layups. But you still had to make them. And he made them really well. But again, no, None of that is outside of the ability of your incredibly gifted second overall pick in Zach Wilson. And so I think if there was a perfect storm for all of this, it's what Rob Sala got. It's a performance that was in infinitely replicable by their starting quarterback yeah. and the guy that they would still probably, I bet, like to, in an honest moment, have be the future of their team in Zach Wilson for all the things that they saw on him that they wanted to draft out of BYU.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that this is a... Was a seven and three football team? And it's not because Mike White's the starting quarterback.
0: No, just the way it wasn't, you know, they weren't five and two because Zach Wilson was the starting quarterback. Like, this is a team that's got yes. a ball in defense that they had to do right by that went out here yeah. and, and you know had a part of that. Like, so it, Mike White deserves a ton of credit for what he did, right? Showing up and showing out as a backup, coming in, in that situation with all that conversation around that position and you gotta be uncomfortable for him too. Like he's in those quarterback meetings with Zach Wilson every day. Like, that's a guy he sees and is around all the time. With these quarterback things, these guys are usually, like, I'm not saying they're all best friends, but they're close because they spend so much time together. Your position group is in the world of, like, football as family type thing. That's your, like, sibling group. That's the ones you spend the most time with and got all the inside jokes and the handshakes with. So... I, I, like That had to be an uncomfortable situation for him. So he deserves a ton of credit for navigating that well. And now I think they ride the hot hand as long as it'll go. The problem is in the next two games it goes on the road to Minneapolis and on the road to Buffalo. So I think if we're going to get a more realistic ex, you know, version of what this is going forward, it's going to come in the next two weeks.
1: You think there's a wildcat with Zach Wilson and Mike White that – the jets can roll out there do do you, do you remember when the ravens tried to do
0: that with lamar jackson when they drafted him as a rookie with joe flacco and joe flacco just refused to even look his way on those plays
1: yes mike i i, I remember that i remember when joe flacco was lined up not even acknowledging the ref to let him know he was on the line or not it was it was a sad time that was a rough year but I, I obviously. Oh, no! I'm talking about, about when the they Lamar tried to Jessica.
0: use Lamar out on the edge, and Joe Flacco's the one in the backfield, and he oh, just looked over that way, and then just yeah. completely looked away, like there was no chance in hell I am about to throw my replacement this
1: pass. Yeah, that was. I was saying. I'm sorry. I was talking about the evolution of that package when uh, when Flacco got got closer yeah. to the sidelines before he just actually got on the sidelines. Yes,
0: yeah. they motioned. They motioned <laughs> him out to his eventual position, holding the clipboard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is wow. Almost Nasty as, John Harbaugh. Almost
0: as cruel as that uh is that um graphic they put up in the Chargers and uh Arizona Cardinals game. Uh so unfair. Yeah. Very very unfair, very cruel. But uh congrats to White Mike, man. Uh Jets fans get to feel good. Uh, their team's got stuff to play for, like that's why this is all pretty vitally yeah. important. But again, I don't think we're out of the woods on the Zach Wilson conversation. I think we'll see him again before this season's all said and
1: done. Well, speaking of graphics, Mike, I love the time of season we're in right now where we get the playoff uh, picture uh, a lot and you got the in the hunt and, uh, you know, all that stuff like ch- wild card. I, I just, this is the time of year.
0: This is. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Get your Christmas decorations up and start working through playoff scenarios in your head. I did see in the NFC side, uh, and we'll get to roses here in a second. Uh, I think all three wild card contending teams right now, the NFC side, are just the non-eagles in the NFC East. It's the Giants, the Cowboys, wow. and I, b- I believe Wash or I believe Washington. I'll dub- I'll double check that, but just a reminder of the strength of that current division and what they've been in football so far this year. It's disgusting and it's also you can't predict yeah, it the the five the five six and seven spot in the nfc playoffs dallas new york and washington followed up by the seattle seahawks and the falcons after that just a ridiculous turn of events for the nfc turning into one of the best conference or divisions if not the best decision in fo- division in football this year so Uh, enjoy it spread the love in the meantime Brandon uh, it is Monday one thing we enjoy doing is handing out roses around here Uh, for newcomers we are a bachelor and bachelorette franchise loving podcast or at least I am uh, and I drag Brandon
1: into that muck with me I love and respect I love and respect there we go and also I'm a married man so I'm infinitely horny
0: (laughs) wow all right that not
1: necessarily the correlation I would make but go off king yeah Whoa, Bachelor! Y'all don't watch this? I thought I thought people was watching the Bachelor, and Bachelorette because they was horny. That's not. No, that's not what's going on. We're watching that's that because No,
0: there. it's like low stakes, like easily digestible drama. It's sick and twisted Damn, producers I'm, I'm, who engineer these awful situations for people who are there to gain Instagram followers.
1: I just can't believe I'm so horny that I see horny where there's no horny.
0: I really would like you to stop saying horny. It is Monday, and it is people are going to listen to this early, and you're making
1: me uncomfortable. And I know you. <laughs> Mike, this is the last weekend of November. This is the last football November <laughs> weekend we had. Like, this is the end of this, of this coveted month. Like, let me get my shit off. Oh, God. See, what? No rut.
0: Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends, the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help? Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shot-fidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision, and just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister Lacour, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Brandon, let's give out these roses. Who's your first rose going to? Please talk about a, a human being that plays football and not whatever's going on in your house in November.
1: Okay, why you got to bring my house into it? Okay, you uh, uh, it. Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett helps the Cleveland Browns beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 23 to 17 in overtime. In Jacoby Brissett's possible last start with the Cleveland Browns talking about nasty and horniness. Um I think that this game was amazing cuz Brissett got a chance to uh beat Tom Brady. Tom Brady is now 8 and 2 against the Browns uh, overall in his career. Uh th- that loss that second that number 2 that loss coming uh, in overtime uh, on on Sunday, the Browns flipped their losing streak. And it was just a really, really good game. And I'm, I'm really happy for Jacoby Brissett in, in a game where we're talking about backup quarterbacks. I just – He's always been someone to root for. He was great after the game when he got up to the
0: podium and he channeled his, he said, I'm going to quote Tom Brady, who, remember, was the guy guy he was the understudy under. Jacoby Brissett was originally a New England Patriot. He was in the backup in that room. Him and Jimmy Garoppolo with Tom Brady and so knows him pretty well and channeled him when he said, that was fucking awesome. At the podium after the game, and it was so wholesome that people—I don't even think—like were like the normal people that would have been like, "Oh, there are children listening," are like, "Oh no, that's pretty great. Like he's pretty awesome."
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is awesome. That smile he had on his face—he was like just genuinely happy. Mike, I—I uh, I don't know what his his NFL future is. It's probably just this. But uh, the fact that Bill Parcells has been fighting so hard, tooth and nail, to make everyone realize just how special Jacoby Brissett is at quarterback, I think we all see it.
0: Yeah, you know what? I think his future probably is this, but this is still cashing checks as probably a starter or a borderline starter for somebody's NFL team for the next couple of years. Like I think he went out and did himself a lot of favors in this 11-game stretch for the Browns. And we know how complicated that Brown situation is about to become. And so to have someone yeah. very wholesome and likable in that spot at the helm for a team that we knew was going to be a ground-based team that has their issues on defense that went out there and occupied his role really well. Nothing but respect for Jacoby Brissett. It was awesome to watch. Um, Absolutely. Brandon, I want to give my rose uh, to Brian Robinson of the Washington Commanders. Uh, They obviously had a weekend where there was a lot more discussion about murals that they were putting up inside of their building at FedEx Field. Yes. The uh, Sean Taylor Memorial that they put up there that, you know looked like a mannequin there was a lot of people dunking on the commanders because they have traditionally messed up doing anything to remember Sean Taylor who also was just wild 15 years it's been since we lost Sean Taylor like I was I was blown away by that number and how long he had been gone so his family was there I saw Ryan Clark you know his former teammate and uh, my former teammate at ESPN Posting about that, saw Sean's fa- Sean's family there to receive some of the things as far as the remembrance there, and I, I I get it. Like overall, it would have been nice to see that more well done. I know they got some some of the finer notes on that um, yeah. done pretty well, right? As far as the soccer cleats and things that were special and Jermaine to Sean and who he was as a player, and his family said as much. But the overall creating a better overall optic in those situations is something that Washington should do a better job of, but we have come to just not expect because Dan Schneider is not a good owner. He's not good at this job. He's not someone that's approached any part of this with any degree of sincerity or any degree of care for the feelings of others. But I won't say that there weren't things that they, there were things that they clearly got right on this based on the reaction of the family and some of those details. So I won't shit on all of it, but I will shit on some of it.
1: Yeah, rightfully so. And they're going through a rebrand because they need a rebrand and, He's one of the most lovable players uh, in their franchise, especially in recent history. Can't believe it's been 15 years, but yes, they're they're always going to be up for criticism because Daniel Snyder is the owner. So let's not, let's not insult Sean Taylor in dunking on Daniel Snyder.
0: Yeah, exactly. We can respect what the family appreciated about that gesture while still saying it probably wasn't done well enough by anyone's standard for a person of that importance to that franchise and also reeks of the same stench that we've seen from that ownership time and time again that makes this an easy place to look at and see fault. Um, But that's not who we're talking about. This is Roses, and I derailed the positive segment with a negative. Uh, (laughs) Brian Robinson went out and had himself a pretty strong game, 18 carries for 105 yards in this one. But Brandon, I want to salute him and give him this rose for friendship because did you see Brian Robinson putting on for one of his friends after this game with his big hat? Mike, I thought it was a Photoshop. I saw the big hat. And I thought it was Big Cap. No, dude, Big Hat is real. Um, it's apparently a company called Noggin. I don't want. I don't want to give them too much free ad space, but they've been on Shark Tank, and Brian Robinson said that his friend has a big hat company, and if you want a big hat, to let him know. As he showed up in front of his locker in the post game with that giant, and like. For anyone wondering, Mike, how big is this hat? Is he like a guy who's like a seven and a half inch hat that's wearing a seven and seven eighths inch hat from one of his friends? No, this is a hat that's roughly, I would say, I mean, what, 10, 20 times the size of a normal hat, Brandon? Uh, I think, I think 20 to 25 is safe. Like so much that I believe I've seen the innards. You know how in like a hard hat, it's yes. got the, almost like a football helmet, honestly. It's got the extra padding yes. in there. This one just extends out even further. I've got a lot of questions too. Like, this thing is big enough to where it had to be transported specially. Was it left inside the stadium in a walkthrough earlier this week? Did he wear it on the way in and we just not notice? How did this go?
1: Mike, the, his, his teammate from Alabama is the person who, uh, is, I got that right, right? Um Whose company it is, the it's it's honestly silly nonsense that you expect to start after Pharrell wore his Arby's hat to the Grammys. Like this feels like a little bit uh like not I don't know. Uh, Big hats, hats are. I don't know, Mike. This is not. I don't like it, but I want one. (laughs) I'm uh, like I'm interested.
0: (laughs) I'm reaching yes. out. I'm reaching out to Brian Robinson's people because I feel like I've got to test this so that other people know what they're getting into because I just want to applaud him. This is a friendship move, right? You've got a platform yes. as an NFL player, and he chose to make this statement in his postgame locker room. We have not seen a display of a hat in a postgame locker room draw this much of effect since Tom Brady. and so this one a much more positive reaction to this. but also
1: I was just like, why who would need this other than a mascot? You know what I'm saying? Like I just I just need to know where the where the supply and demand for the big noggins or for the big hats came from, but the, yes, hey, we, I you, will you, be having one. You create soon. demand
0: with moves like this. True. Great true, friendship true, from true. Brian Robinson. By the way, Brandon, um I just because you brought up mascots here, I want to just yeah. snake draft this Rose um, and go to my second Rose, Jackson DeVille.
1: Yeah. I, his nasty ass. Tell him about Jackson.
0: I can't, well, first off, you coming out here and popping off horny as many times as you did in the lead up to this segment does not get to criticize the Jacksonville Jaguars mascot for going out here and bearing it all for a nation in an American flag speedo. You don't get to do that.
1: I do, Mike, because he, uh, mascots get to get away with stuff that other people don't, on the field especially. And he gave too many pumps in that speedo. He gave too many, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, pumps. when my Ravens were getting, we're trying to get in the end zone. He's trying to be distracting the whole time. I didn't appreciate that mascot making a mockery of mascots by not wearing fur below the neck. Well, so this is
0: this was my question because you're right. Normally we see mascots in one of you know, well, in a few camps I would say because going around this year, um, NC State's a good example. You have Mister and Mrs. Wolf there that are the mascots. Uh, they are a married couple. They were married by the Wake Forest Demon Deacon twice. Um, But Miss Wolf has the giant mascot head, but then just a human body below it. It's just a person wearing the mascot costume on their human body. So there are plenty of mascots that do giant plush head with the normal human being torso below it. My question is, to your point, yes, this is a Jaguar. So he's got different fur up top and then had just the naked body underneath here. I'm weirded out by the notion that he had to wear a Speedo. Like do mascots have to wear pants? I feel like we see plenty of mascots going out with around pants and the road that this leads down is a pretty disturbing one. If now all of a sudden we find out a bunch of them have been here naked. I'm just wondering now that you bring it up, is it because he was technically shaved from the neck down? And so maybe that changes the math.
1: Yeah. I think it's something like uh, mascots and animals, they like share the same thing. Like we don't think about their genitals unless we see them. Right. So like, we just kind of just got (laughs) to, let that let that fly you know what i'm saying like unless it's presented to us we don't have to think about it and unfortunately mr jackson deville he like he did that he he showed his
0: he did that thing your dog does where it like flips over on its back and it's just like paint me like one of your french girls where you just can't you can't avoid any of this situation
1: listen we're not supposed to see the pink underbelly oh you know what i mean that's the point you avoid it when you pet Right? So, I don't want to see it either. Yeah. You know what? I just appreciate
0: it. It seemed like a very clear homage to Will Ferrell on that Saturday Night Live sketch where he shows up in the boardroom wearing the cutoff uh, t-shirt and the American flag. Uh, oh,
1: yes. It's, Daisy Duke type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It
0: seemed very much like eerily similar to that to a point where you can't get it. So, I just wanted to salute Jackson DeVille. He understands summer bodies are made in the winter. Going out here, clearly showing off what he's already managed to work on. And...
1: It did kind of seem to help the team, the distracting pumps. Hey, amen to that. And for all the media members out there sitting in chairs talking about football, Super Bowl's a couple months away. So get right, get tight before we see everybody in person. Um, I'm going to go and give my rose, Mike. And I think this is the second time in a row I've given my rose to a Las Vegas Raider who had a game winning play for overtime. But Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs setting a franchise record for the Raiders, which is insane to me, 303 yards from scrimmage, 229 yards rushing, 74 yards receiving, two rushing touchdowns, and then that game-winning one in overtime. 86 yards, blocked perfectly, no flags on the field. Derek Carr hits his knees crying, can't believe he finally won a game again in overtime. But I just want to shout out to Josh Jacobs. Uh, As much as the Raiders draft picks have taken heat by because they haven't had their options picked up. I think that's just an example. What Josh Jacobs just did is just an example of why the Raiders don't make good decisions even after they draft people.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's the biggest thing because I enjoyed so much, Brandon, as all that was going on, seeing I looked up at one point on Twitter and what was trending was Bo Jackson because Bo Jackson was also in that conversation for single-game Raiders rushing records pay him and pay that man in all caps were the three trends one right after the other, which had to be great for Josh Jacobs to walk in and see on his phone after the game. But like you said, terrible for a Raiders team that could have had him picking up his fifth year option. He was the 24th pick in the draft would have made it about $8 million that they would have owed him next year, which is going to probably be a bargain relative to what he ends up getting paid. I know, we're not probably going to see running back market setting contracts, but you're probably talking about something if he's able to keep up this pace, just, you know, still in the, you know, eight figure type range.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know. And it, it just, he wasn't a bad running back. He's never been a bad running back since he's gotten there. He's been working with the fact that he's with the Raiders so I I just never th- I never saw him as a he was a bright spot. He's always been a bright spot. So it's, it's good to see he was able to kind of win this game in that way.
0: No, it was. It was awesome for him. We're always rooting for guys to get their money. I know we have conversations about running back contracts, but I want to see them all get paid. And Josh Jacobs has absolutely put himself in a position to get paid by somebody this coming offseason because the Raiders, uh, as the regime change was happening, did not see it uh, valuable to go out and use the fifth-year option on a position like running back. Uh People make mistakes and the Raiders like you said are a people that make that a little bit more often than most.
1: Can I say we're quick last thing? I just looked it up. That was that, that was a Khalil Mack pick. The Raiders got that pick from trading Khalil Mack to the Bears, so Oh, wow. I don't know. That's not, uh, not even out completely, but that was a crazy move when it happened. But okay, uh, they did something with it. That's one of those things that goes. It feels like something. I don't know what exactly, yeah, but that like feels something. like something, and it's a good That's note. to I have That's why I shared it.
0: It's good it note. Like something. It's a good note to have in there. At GoJo Show on Twitter, if there's anybody we missed uh, giving out, we'll have NFL Top Five, Bottom Five tomorrow as well. Get to more of what we saw this weekend, uh, but. Brandon, what you and I did this weekend, uh, six thick picks and no rut. November our picks going mm. into the weekend. Uh, minor three college, three pro Brandon gives you his one NFL pick for the weekend. Um, NFL wise for me, Brandon, um, pretty good weekend. Two or three, uh, Denver and Carolina under 36, uh, that game. Wow. Uh, I, in a different pool, I had Denver winning that game, and boy, oh, boy, that thing is really falling far from grace. You got Russell Wilson getting screamed at by his D-tackles on the sideline looking scared shitless when it happens.
1: I, I was going to ask you did, you, did you do any research to see? Because they downplayed it afterwards, Mike. But I, They did. I, the, so it was the, the, it was Purcell, okay. which was the defensive tackle coming off yes. the
0: field. He had just, I believe, gotten a penalty on a field goal try that he was a part of, and he was coming off and claimed that he said to Russell Wilson, we got to F and go. Like He tried to make it sound like this was a, we need to fire up and have a spark for the whole team. He's the quarterback that's getting ready to go out on the field. But what it ended up looking like was, remember Zach Wilson, that picture of him on draft night where he was sitting there looking terrified around <laughs> some of the other draft picks? That's what Der- Russell Wilson's Wilson. face looked like.
1: I know, but Garrett Wilson was one of the main ones next to him. Yes. Is uh, for, uh, trying to be his teammate, like gang, gang. Let's let's go uh, flex season. Uh, but yes, uh, go ahead with your picks. I, I was I was looking at that Baltimore one.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that one was obviously the L. But uh, Chiefs minus fifteen and a half against the Rams against all odds. By the way, uh, the Chiefs yes. did everything in their power. One of the best red zone teams in football just absolutely gacking in a way every time they got down there in this game settling for field goals left and right the fact that they ended up winning this game and covering that number is why they're one of the great teams and why they're a Super Bowl favorite because even on your off day finding a way to cover is the true measure of a champion uh which leads me to the disappointment Baltimore minus three and a half
1: against Jacksonville damn it Brandon get your team right I know it's the fourth quarter. It's it bad. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blaming DeVille, Jackson DeVille, and his naked body. Yeah, that's
0: true. Highly sexualized.
1: Um, college, uh,
0: less good. Minnesota and Wisconsin going over 36 made me sad. Uh, Big 10 unders were supposed to be something I could count on uh, in the West as Wisconsin yes. celebrating, by the way. We'll probably get to more of this tomorrow, but new head coach Luke Fickle on the way there coming over from Cincinnati. It's exciting. It's good It's good stuff. It I, I, by the, Great hire for them. Great hire for them. I was stunned. I thought Luke Fickle wasn't going to leave for anything but Notre Dame or Ohio State. I thought that always kind of been the book out around him, but very like personality wise fits very well inside the Big Ten. I do feel bad. Jim Leonard, the Wisconsin defensive coordinator, who was a great player for them there, who's turned down Mm -hmm. a bunch of opportunities to stay on the staff. I think because he always figured he would be the guy whenever Paul Chris left. That's going to be a complicated one. Like, I don't know if there's desire from him if there's desire from fickle to keep him on that staff but he's has got that means an awful lot to that place that also could end up being a really valuable free agent because he's a really good coach
1: true but i, I trust luke fickle and his decision making when it comes to football teams and, and building rosters and i think he's one of those guys that i think i would go up to madison to see him i would go up to madison and see his team be, you know, does that make sense? Like, I feel like he's a bit of a draw, even though he's coming from a smaller university. Well, you know what?
0: He, he built his team at Cincinnati, I think, in a way that Wisconsin would appreciate. Like, he tried to do it up front on both lines of scrimmage, mm-hmm. even in the group of five in the American where that's a little bit harder to do because of the resources that you have, he managed to do all that. Like, personality-wise, it's a fit. He's about ball. Like, he doesn't want to deal with, I remember I called their game against Tulsa when they were coming and college game day was going to be at Cincinnati, and he didn't really want to mess with all that stuff he understood those were things that he has to do he understands what the job requires and lord knows in this day and age as nil's become more of the conversation the portal all these things that you've got to work to be successful on the high end in college football he understands what's necessary but I think ethos-wise, it's really similar to Paul Crist, who was about the ball, who's about the players, and, and that really shines through about seeing Luke Fickle up close the way that I did in the few chances to cover him. He really wants to take care of the important foundation stuff first, but I think also sees a lot of where college football's going. So thought that was a great hire. I just wish they had scored less points in that game against Minnesota.
1: I'm sorry about that, Mike. That under should have hit, um, but uh, also – as long as hey, he's got to get a recruiter like Marcus Freeman to get get those DBs, Kobe Bryant and, and, and Sauce Gardner, yeah, I mean that's been a big part of his success there in Cincinnati as well. Yeah,
0: and but listen, we've seen Wisconsin's been able to recruit defensive talent, but that defensive backfield, especially, you're right, really on that side of the ball, Cincinnati had done a really good job recruiting Ohio, which will be important in all this too. It never hurts to have someone True. that can recruit a hotbed very well, so. All of that um, to say they did not help me cash my bet. UCLA minus 11 against Cal. That game, I mean, should have seen that coming. That's a mistake on my part. UCLA, very little to play with. Um, They ended up going out there and getting a win, but just I think about four points short of what I needed. South Carolina, though, two weeks in a row coming through. Plus 14.5 against Clemson. They win outright. Spencer Rattler gets to smoke a cigar after the game. Brandon, I figured it out, too, because I'm sure – with these back-to-back games. I didn't see much of this one, so I don't know how well or not well Spencer Rattler played. I know when I was at the Tennessee game, he kicked ass in that game. He was incredible. Right. And I started to wonder, all right, talented former top high school prospect, guy who we expected to be a top overall pick at some point. I wonder how this is going to go. Sam Darnold, watching him yesterday for the Carolina Panthers seemed like a very interesting cop as far as it might not always look perfect footwork-wise and stuff, but there's a ton of arm talent there. He'll make some big plays. And like Sam Darnold, watching him do well yesterday, I'm sure there were some people that were like, hmm, former top pick well, that we might be able to try and make something out of I feel like that's what's going to happen with Spencer Rattler
1: I hope not we talked about it a little bit with your dad last week but he could benefit from hanging back in a way that Sam Darnold yep. could have benefited from staying at USC for another year uh yeah it's there's a whole process there but um yeah,
0: yeah so South Carolina did give me the win in that one shout out to the Gamecocks finishing the year with two of the best wins of the season Brandon you also back in the win column this week
1: Yes pat myself on the back uh, San Fran plus nine and a half against the New Orleans Saints I said there was nowhere they got close to that line. I was right unfortunately I was uh, didn't expect a shutout uh, and also got close because there was a, a pick six that got brought back in that game that would have really messed up this uh it would have made it so I didn't uh, cover here but 13 and oh uh, uh, I'm, I'm, excuse me the 49ers beat the Saints 13 and0. And the, the San Francisco 49ers covered. They're playing their best football, Mike. There was a graphic breakdown of who's getting a piece of the pie offensively. It's like 19% Christian McCaffrey, 13% everybody else. Like it, it seems like a balanced offense with a backup quarterback at the helm. And 49ers, one of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, I'd say probably second best team in the NFC. I'll put them over the Vikings right now.
0: Yeah, I mean real I mean really when you have that conversation we, we did with Dad, yeah, it's I would still probably go Eagles, Cowboys, Niners before we got to Vikings, yeah. but the, the Niners are absolutely in that conversation. They look incredible. That defense, Nick Bosa with the sack to kind of finish things off when it looked yeah. like the Saints might be driving. They've been they've been really, really deadly and only seem to be getting better as the season goes along. Um so yeah, we got all that there. Um uh, we'll have a very the Steelers and
1: Colts Monday night football matchup is. I mean, outside of Jeff Saturday and Mike Tomlin, like I had to remember the coaches to get excited about that game. Yes, exactly. That is a 110%
0: the sell for this game, but. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine Again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com/gojo and use code twenty five gojo to get twenty five percent off your first month. That's twenty five percent off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com/gojo. Code twenty five gojo. Brandon, not what we have to worry about here because we have a cell to finish every podcast. Uh, you get dinner and a show as I get to ask
1: Brandon Newman. Brandon, uh, do you know what time it is? I do, Mike. And I am going to be aggressive like I have been uh, the rest of this podcast because it's rock Brandon time. You! What are you on the world? How do you own disorder? Disorder. Now, somewhere between the sacred silence and sleep. Silence and sleep. Somewhere between the sacred silence and sleep. Disorder. Disorder. This time and the time.
0: Oh. Man, that's a lot of system of a down early in the morning. <laughs> Depending on when you're listening to this, like Woo. that's one of those. If you're driving, be prepared because all of a sudden your foot's down on the gas and you're doing 110. <laughs>
1: We've been there. We've been there. Uh, what do you? What do you own? Disorder. Jesus, I had no idea what the words of that song was until I just looked it up. I just know the, I know the beat and the vibe.
0: That's that's the case with most System of a Down songs. Is it's more just about like vibes and getting up your one rep max. It's not really as much about knowing the individual lyrics. But uh, one rep max, love it. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, go, Joe, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us that five star rating. Tell Brandon what a great job he has done with that. Uh, Brandon, let's get to uh, this, that, and the third uh, three quick ones to finish off the day. And start off with this one. Uh, apparently, those rumors that popped up a while ago aren't just rumors. Uh, Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami are reportedly nearing an agreement that would get him to come over and join the MLS. Now, it's worth knowing Inter-Miami is co-owned by David Beckham, who was obviously one of the first big names to come over to MLS and uh, start to make waves here. But, uh, man, Messi would be, I mean, by far the biggest star to make his way over this way, 35-year-old one of the you know two greatest players in the world along with Cristiano Ronaldo in our lifetime so this would be pretty wild and a huge coup for our friends down at the Dan Levitard show so I hope to see this one come into existence because we're constantly looking for things I still you know I think like a lot of people we look at what's going on in the World Cup right now for the US a homegrown star like right. Christian Pulisic blowing up and becoming a bigger thing is probably going to do more for soccer interest in this country but we've seen MLS yes. interest take off we've seen a lot of these cities embrace it and I feel like it guy like Messi being over here would turn that into a barnstorming draw
1: for wherever they played also. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is America pulling the biggest town. It's what we did with David Beckham, you know, whenever he had the opportunity to. And uh, I think it was about five months ago, uh, Beckham and uh, Messi were in Miami somewhere, and everybody was like, antennas went up. But my antennas went up when that Apple deal went through. uh, Ten years. I think Apple, Apple decided they were gonna show MLS yeah. games for the next 10 years for $2.5 billion, Mike. And I was like, okay, well this game is going to be in America. Uh, if We're valuing this, like this seems a little high for the MLS right now. No disrespect to soccer, but you know, America isn't like that when it comes to, to, to soccer unless it's the World Cup. Now, this makes sense. Messi is worth $2.5 billion on American soil. This is a
0: lot like when they announced that ESPN and ABC were going to have a couple of Super Bowls in the next decade. And then all of a sudden they're traded for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, where it's like, yes, hey, yes. we're going to make this deal with the understanding that you're going to head and swing for some big fish and make yes. us look good. So you're right. Something to consider there uh, as we see the business of soccer booming right now. Um Brandon, let's get to that. Um, We expect business to be booming at some point for Odell Beckham Jr. down the stretch of this season. He's starting to make the free agent tours now. Um, I think he was in New York visiting with the Giants most recently was the reporting I saw as one of the handful of teams that he is interested in giving his services to down the stretch of the season. But uh, the story for OBJ this time around involves a plane flight. So Odo Beckham Jr. was removed from a flight at Miami International Airport on Sunday after police said the free agent receiver was, quote, in and out of consciousness and refused to leave the airplane when asked. Now, Beckham's attorney has disputed this, saying his client had been sleeping and the incident was a result of a, quote, overzealous flight attendant. But, uh, Brandon, essentially what it looked like and what the police report sounded like was OBJ came onto a plane. He was flying first class in American Airlines lines from uh, Miami to LA was supposed to be the flight and the police report says that he you know are between the police report and his uh, um, lawyer statement lawyer kind of paraphrasing essentially what it sounds like for the events was he got on the plane put a uh, blanket over his head and was going to go start to go to sleep they said that's what he does on these kind of long flights it's gonna be a five-hour flight get it Uh, apparently then this is where the disputing starts the flight attendants claimed they came over and asked him to put on a seatbelt they said he was in and out of consciousness they feared he was going to be ill in a way that might compromise at some point along the course of a five-hour flight and so they made the decision to call the police and the fire department to try and you know get medical attention to someone that they were worried about over the course of this flight they then asked Odell Beckham Jr. to leave the plane he refused they had to deplane everybody have the police and folks come on and talk to OBJ he left with no questions asked there there's video of that that as well of him walking off there and he made alternate plans. He just says that, and he was tweeting about it, that this was ridiculous, that this was a comedy show, that he'd never experienced something like this in his life. He claims that he was told to put on a seatbelt and then went to comply. And they said it was too late and kicked him off the plane.
1: You know why I believe OBJ, but also I think he may have been a little bit inebriated. Why is that? Cause you gotta play the you gotta play the race card there off top if you in the if you in the right if you in the right you play the race card if you are in the wrong you say I don't know this is crazy like I I can't believe this is happening to me because one variable that we have not talked about is if he was making any grunts under that blanket if it looked like he was about to throw up if he was leaning in and out of consciousness if he was too much on the armrest and his other uh, other. Uh, Uh, seat mates uh the first class flight like there's a bunch of other things that lead to someone being asked to get off of a plane especially if they messed up off of whatever they possibly could be messed up off of on a very very early morning flight from miami to los angeles yeah
0: i like brandon like i'll go full stop like you know I am a white guy that you know flies flights every week. So when I say like I've flown for the last thirteen weeks straight every weekend, I understand that I have done that in a way that gets me treated differently that we know exists. And so I won't mm-hmm. say that our experiences are apples to apples. But flying first class on a, like it wasn't like he was flying Spirit or something like that. So he was flying right. a reputable airline. The thing that I just go back to with all this, whatever the truth that lies in the middle of this is, nobody wants to have to deplane. Nobody that works for the airline, nobody that's flying the plane wants to have to deplane. And yes. I know he is a celebrity. Like, I saw someone having the argument online, it might have been Feidelberg over at Barstool, that Odo Beckham Jr. might still be one of the five most recognizable figures in the NFL right now, even in a world where Patrick Mahomes and these guys have been playing much better and just playing at all as of late. Point. So he's a legitimate football celebrity. But... I also feel like I can kind of default back to that um, line from The Wedding Singer. We let our first-class passengers do pretty much whatever they want. Like... I feel like you're going to get more chances up in that cabin for us to not have to deplane this thing. The whole flight ended up getting delayed like another two hours before they were able to leave. And it just feels like something that more often than not, I understand you can get some folks that are on a power trip. I understand sometimes a flight attendant comes by is a little too forceful asking me to get my seat back up from the recline, even though that's never me. I never recline because I have respect for the people behind me, but that's another conversation. This just, this just feels like one of those things where it's like, you know what, May, like, maybe someone mistimed Edible that they needed to fly across the country. Who among us has not been there? Yeah. Would be such an understandable ending to this saga. And I don't think it's like Odell, but this isn't going to affect Odell getting signed. There's not going to be any ramifications. He wasn't arrested or anything. Like this, That's... this all ended pretty peacefully, which is why I feel like saying like, You know, yeah, if you did miss time and edible, coming out with that truth would also be pretty understandable given the circumstances.
1: Yeah, he messed around with some melatonin. You know what I'm saying? Wrong CBD at the wrong time. Like, I understand all this stuff. That's why I didn't like it. And Feidelberg is right if he's the one who brought it up. The reason why we're talking about this is because it's OBJ. And Mike Tarico brought it up on the broadcast as if it was going to jeopardize his status. Like, he's going to be somewhere in playoff time making a team better. Yeah. And it'll probably because he had to, he had these relaxing flights.
0: Yeah. I can say This in no way affects his football future at all. It's right. just one of those things that especially on Thanksgiving weekend always travel nightmares that you're worried about. And this is absolute nightmare mm-hmm. fuel for anyone else that was on that fight. So uh the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We'll see uh, what other information we get on that one. But, uh, Brandon, let's get to the third, because this is what I've been gearing up to defend this entire day. Um, So, yesterday, a woman on Twitter tweeted this, and it ended up becoming one of those, what was positioned as a two Americas moment that I want to dispute. So, the tweet said, My kids have just discovered that the family sick bowl and the cake mix bowl are one and the same. In my defense, this is also the case when I was growing up, but now I've said it out loud, I realize I need to break the cycle. I won't be taking any further questions. Well, ma'am, that's a shame because we got questions. Now, Brandon, just in general, I was not familiar with the concept of a sick bowl at all. I have been white for 33 years now, I have been a kid for a while, and I've been a nasty motherfucker for a while. I have thrown up can, in a lot. You, Brandon, you can vouch for me, right? I am a I am a pretty nasty dude. Yes.
1: I was someone who puked before every football
0: game I played in, and a lot of practices, right? Like
1: <laughs> there was a there was a uh, if us working out meant that Brandon was somewhere laying on the ground being attended t- to by the medical people, saying like Brandon needs to breathe because his fat ass is uh, passed out. Mike throwing up on himself or just like the sound effects of Mike running is just it was you know, we loved it.
0: Yeah. Everyone I've loved it, understood it. I was nasty. And so me being able to rule on nasty subjects like this, I'm just I'm admitting up front, you can trust me because I am of this. And I would tell you and raise my hand if this was something that I subscribe to generally. I don't know what they're talking about, Brandon. This is Mind-blowing to me as a concept because this is clearly, like she said, a bowl that is also being used to mix ingredients in the kitchen. I have heard a bunch of different people talk about this. I asked my sister-in-law about this. She said, yeah, we had a sick bowl, but it was a mopping bucket. Like, it was a bucket. It wasn't a bowl. Mm, It was a bucket, which makes a little more sense to me. Like, when I was a kid... You puked in the toilet if you could get there. And if you were sick in bed, someone put one of those little garbage cans that had the little wrapping around it next to the bed for you to throw up in. And it was usually that
1: easy. They they call that a, a trash receptacle they call it a basket usually it's the computer computer trash can
0: yes the computer trash can the little one that goes by the toilet in the bathroom there's plenty of them this isn't like a wealth thing because those are cheap as shit you can get them at walmart or target very easily and so (laughs) or dollar tree yes any of those places and i don't understand for anyone and i saw people doing the thing where they're like well tell me you don't have kids without telling me you don't have kids like sometimes you can't always get to that spot motherfucker i was kids i'm the source (laughs) I was the little vomity kid. I
1: still remember.
0: Like, I remember how that went. And my parents never handed me a bowl. Because what's efficient about a bowl? It's smaller. Okay. It's shaped poorly in a way that might have
1: ricochet and all sorts of other collateral damage. It's ridiculous. It, it is a little bit ridiculous, Mike. But I want to shoot some bail because my wife was unfortunately one of those whites that heard about, knew had a sick bowl. Like, I, I listen, when we talked about it before... It's like it brought up some trauma. It was like, "Oh shit, like I when you're really really sick, think about when you're like just like really really sick. You don't want to think about anything cuz like this is never going to end. Like I'm going to be this forever. This is where I live now. Like I'm not going to move." So, like the trauma behind it, I want to shoot some bail because like you're just like whatever helps. And if there's like a comfort, if the sick bowl is like a teddy bear is what I'm trying to say. But it's also- If you think you're going to be on the mend because this thing is near you, then, then respect. And pregnant women have their sick bowls and things like that. But mixing that in with the things that, that are, are used to- Make food! Make food, Brandon! I mean, anything, yeah. Anything in the kitchen that's not under the sink, it's a no-go. No, even if it's under the
0: sink, if it is used to also make food, Brandon, I understand, like you said, sick person doesn't control much. It's not on the sick person. It is on their caretakers. And if your first thought is, let me hand them the mixing bowl. I made brownies with the other day. You got some things going on here that need to be addressed that I cannot endorse. And I just want to make abundantly clear. Like like speaking on and i don't do this often speaking on behalf of the white delegation we don't claim this this is not us this is certain warring factions this is extremist groups but this is not the general population and i don't want to wear this one i'll stand up and wear it when it's on us and when it's something nasty that i do and something i feel like is pretty ubiquitous this isn't it
1: okay okay yeah milk for dinner yes uh sick bowls no Right? For you guys?
0: Yes. And again, if it's a bucket and you're just calling
1: it a bowl, let's maybe fix, like, we need to clean up the wording around this because we I don't think, like, we're helping ourselves. Right. We didn't mention that this this uh, this woman was an author um, and also very much uh, British or from the yeah. United Kingdom. So that tradition, uh, like most traditions that come over across the season, maybe, maybe some whites kept it. Other ones throw it out or, or it got lost in transit in the Atlantic. Uh, but you know,
0: yeah, this, this, yeah, I want to hopefully account for that as the difference. I saw a lot of people co-signing this in a yes. way that I, I, I just cannot
1: okay. sick, sick, uh, sick bowl rating reviews, uh, plug go.
0: Yes. Uh, pl- we hope that this podcast did not cause you to use any form of a sick bowl in the process. Just go to the toilet or use a bucket or anything. Puke in a garbage can. Find God. Uh, If it did, make sure you leave us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast reviews and tell us about us there along with the five-star rating. Also, check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. tab there as well.
1: I wanted you to tell them if they use the sick bowl to put in the comments. Oh,
0: oh, 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 that's the thing. All right, well, there we go. Strike that, reverse that. Do what Brandon said. If you used a sick bowl, (laughs) tell us about that experience in the Apple podcast reviews. Leave us a five-star review and try and explain yourself or at Gojo Show on Twitter. I am willing to listen to an extent on this even though I just find this a bit repugnant on the surface. Uh, So make sure you leave that in there. And again, hopefully we didn't make you sick. You can watch DraftKings YouTube channel, Gojo Michael Jr. tab on there. It's awesome stuff. Thanks so much. Enjoy what you can about Monday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow.